Hi everyone and welcome back to the In Our Backyard podcast with your host Jen Galler. And in this episode, I talk with Grace Tuttle, who's the Development and Programs Coordinator at Protect Our Water Heritage Rights, or POWER for short. POWER is an interstate coalition representing individuals and groups from Virginia and West Virginia, dedicated to protecting water, land, and communities from harms caused by the expansion of fossil fuel infrastructure, including the Mountain Valley Pipeline, MVP. And the Mountain Valley Pipeline is a natural gas pipeline system that spans approximately 303 miles from northwestern West Virginia to South Virginia. Current happenings of the MVP are that they have asked FERC to amend its certificate to allow it to bore underwater bodies to install pipes, as well as they have applied to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for a clean water permit to cross waters. With Grace, we talk about the people power and frontline communities that are fighting against the MVP, and the litigation that comes their way, as well as ways to combat environmental injustice and meaningfully address the climate crisis. To contact and connect with Grace will be in the show notes below. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So hi, everyone. I'm with Grace Tuttle, who is the Development and Programs Coordinator at Protect Our Water Heritage Rights. So just to start off, can you talk about your organization and what you all do? Sure. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm Grace Tuttle. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm an organizer at Protect Our Water Heritage Rights Coalition, which is an interstate coalition that represents people and groups from Virginia and West Virginia who are dedicated to protecting water, land, and their communities from harms of fossil fuel projects, particularly fighting the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Many of our, or all of our member group are directly impacted communities along the route of the MVP. And the um, MVP is a proposed partially constructed fracked gas pipeline that comes from Northern West Virginia and traverses Southwest Virginia down to near the Danville area where it would connect to the proposed Southgate extension pipeline into North Carolina. And Power is a grassroots neighbor to neighbor community to community coalition that has relentlessly resisted this project since it was announced in 2014. And the movement to stop MVP has grown to be part of a national coalition opposing all fossil fuel projects. And we fight together with other frontline fossil fuel fights for a future that is just and livable for everyone. And we're also part of the People vs. Fossil Fuels Coalition, which is over made up of over 1,200 groups and is a largely frontlines-led coalition to end the era of fossil fuels and promote climate justice and environmental justice and build the world that we need to see beyond fossil fuels. That's a little bit about our work. Yeah, that was great. And it sounds a lot like what Bridal does. So how do you all work with the frontline communities? Yeah, so a lot of our member groups are frontline MVP communities. So, you know, we do a whole range of things, you know, empowering those groups to participate in public comment, you know, opportunities through all the regulatory processes associated with a project like the MVP. So, you know, empowering people to participate in permitting processes, giving testimony, navigating those kind of arduous processes to stand up for their communities and their homes. So that's a huge part of 
you know, why power was formed to unite the opposition to this project and to, you know, protect each other and each other's homes. And it's kind of grown to, of course, still encompass that because it's very much an active fight against the pipeline that's been going on for almost a decade, but also broadening the movement and addressing more of the social justice, racial justice and environmental justice crises that kind of interlock to create a a world where the MVP can exist. So kind of addressing more of the root causes of why we're in the situation that we're in. So, you know, broadening the fight beyond sort of the front lines level and and connecting with other front lines fights to bring those skills and bring that knowledge. And also um, to remember to celebrate each other and to celebrate the wins and the joy along the way, because it can be a very arduous, exhausting process that feels like a never-ending assault on people and on people's homes. So trying to uplift people and celebrate them and, and cultivate community as we go and, you know, bringing our fight and our communities and connecting them with other people all across the country who are experiencing the same thing. So we just did an event called the Movement Art Summit, where we partnered with a few of our close partners, Artivism Virginia, Appalachian Voices, and Wild Virginia. And we held basically a giant summit of movement art and celebrated with music and sort of looked at the art and the culture and the community that this movement has created. So we have a whole range of ways that we not only fight this pipeline, but protect and cultivate community too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I like what you said about getting to the root cause of why this is a thing and the racial injustice and EJ of it all. So could you talk about the mansion bill, kind of give an overview on it and then how it relates to the MVP that you've been working on? Sure. So, you know, there's been (laughs) a lot of back and forth in the last couple of years over a climate package climate legislature in or legislation, excuse me, in Congress, which Joe Manchin has famously obstructed over and over again. And in this most recent fight with the Inflation Reduction Act this summer, in order to secure Senator Manchin's vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, Manchin and several leading Democrats enacted a deal where Manchin would get sort of a slate of wish list items in exchange for his vote on the Inflation Reduction Act. And those permitting and fossil fuel wish list items became known as the side deal or the dirty side deal or the quote unquote permitting reform bill. Um, We do not like to call it a permitting reform bill, even though it's become colloquially known as that because deregulation is not permitting reform. But the IRA was already a compromise. It will revive offshore oil and gas leases in the Gulf of Mexico and in the Arctic. It requires prospective offshore wind leases to occur only after 60 million acres of oil and gas lease sales have occurred. So there's a lot of compromise already baked into the IRA. So further compromise was ridiculous and you know, this provision of side deal wish list items threatened to gut, you know, core environmental and community protection and input laws, um, like the Clean Water Act, like the National Environmental Policy Act, threatened judicial integrity in a lot of ways. And it also threatened to just wholeheartedly direct federal agencies to approve and complete construction of the Mountain Valley Pipeline and operate the pipeline. So obviously there was a a huge intersection glaring unacceptable issues with this compromise. 
And of course, it's already a struggle for communities to participate in these public processes. That's why our organization exists to unite people to get through these processes and make their voices heard. And as we know, there's already a huge burden on environmental justice communities, Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities, and, and rural low-income communities under existing laws. So we absolutely cannot remove any of these community protections, let alone approve a whole pipeline and just disregard all of the laws and, and processes and input that are there for a reason. So that's sort of an overview of the premise of the quote-unquote mansion bill. Mm. So what did you all at power do to oppose this or say your opinion on it? Yeah. So at power, you know, we're part of the People vs. Fossil Fuels Coalition, like I said. So we're united with um, a lot of other frontlines fights in the Gulf, in Alaska, um, across the country. And so we obviously found ourselves in a situation where we have asked our community bill would have been catastrophic and it would have erased, you know, sort of decades of minimal progress towards valuing community input. So we decided that we needed to mobilize and come together and bring the voices of the front lines to Congress to let them know that this is not acceptable and to explain how arduous the process already is and to show that these projects are often cited in communities that are environmental justice communities for a reason, because these communities often have less resources and less, you know, time to fight these projects with. And it's already an arduous process for those communities to deal with this. So we brought a lot of these communities together in DC and we held a lobby day and a rally to show the decision makers in Congress that we will not stand for this and that frontline communities are united against this and that we can't be broken up or bribed or anything and that we stand with each other in solidarity against this side deal. So accompanying that was a tremendous amount of other efforts, you know, a month of um, meetings with senators and legislators, people from all across the country calling their representatives and senators and saying, I stand with frontline communities, you must stop the side deal. This is a horrible democratic process. This was a closed door deal. You know, people were not consulted. The public wasn't consulted. Other lawmakers weren't consulted. Just from top to bottom, it was atrocious. And so there were many levels of fight uniting together in mid-September when we had that big event. And we had over 50 lobby meetings on that day and a really incredible, powerful rally in the evening. Okay, wow. So then what was the result of all of that or is the result? Yeah, so the result of all of that was that Senator Manchin did not have enough support for his provisions, which did end up getting put into the continuing resolution, which is a form of must-pass legislation to temporarily fund the government. So he withdrew those provisions from the must-pass legislation. So it was definitely a victory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we believe that that's due to all of the frontline's power and solidarity with each other. And uh, that doesn't mean that it won't rear its head again. In the end, um, the original threat was that Senator Manchin's wish list, which ended up being called the Energy Infrastructure and Security Act of 2022, would be attached to the continuing resolution, which is a form of must-pass legislation to temporarily fund the government. And uh, that was the intention, and it initially was attached to 
the continuing resolution and then it was removed, instigated by Senator Manchin once he realized that he did not have enough support to pass this in the Senate. So definitely a victory and shows the power when the front lines of the climate justice movement unite together, what can be accomplished when we stand up for each other. But we are staying vigilant since it could pop up in another form of must-pass legislation. So we certainly are keeping our eyes and ears open and, you know, continuing to fight for all communities that are treated like sacrifice zones. So of course, celebrating the victory, but staying vigilant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a huge victory. And what part of that do you think had to do with the people power or the people fighting against it to Congress and the Senate? I think a huge part of it, I think that a lot of key, you know, allies in the House and the Senate sort of alluded directly to that they heard the voices of frontline Mm -hmm. community members loud and clear. And so that was the reason that they fought so hard. Um, We had many champions who fought, you know, for us to protect our communities who have been fighting and been introducing legislature like the EJ for All Act and, you know, legislature that's built on community input and environmental justice principles. So those those champions in Congress definitely alluded to the fact that, you know, the the frontlines climate justice movement rose up and in a united chorus said no to this side deal. And they heard that loud and clear and they fought for us. Yeah, that's great. And then what is the status with the MVP now? So the MVP right now, just I should have begun with a little introduction, is a 303 mile, 42 inch fracked gas pipeline that is 56% complete as of now to final restoration that is routed through mountainous regions of West Virginia and Virginia. And it currently has gaps at over 400 water crossings um, that are not completed or constructed. It's received over 300 water quality violations and over $2.5 million in fines. It's missing multiple federal permits and authorizations from the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the Army Corps of Engineers. So, you know, uh, you can see why Senator Manchin proposed fast-tracking the project since clearly it's been so fraught and problematic and has had its permits yanked multiple times. So that's sort of the status of the project. It's also about doubled in its budget and it's been delayed for years. And the communities that are impacted by it have spoken loud and clear that they do not want this project in their communities and nor do they want it anywhere. They do not want anywhere to be treated like a sacrifice zone and that we need to end the era of fossil fuels and stop building projects like this. Yeah. And for people who are listening who might not be along the pipeline route or frontline community, what can they do to show support or aid? Yeah, that's a really awesome question. If you're interested in particularly fighting the Mountain Valley Pipeline, I would encourage you to check out our newsletter. You can sign up at power.org. Also make sure that you check out organizations that are Indigenous-led, like Seven Directions of Service. Their website is sevendirectionsofservice.com. And Dr. Crystal Cavalier is the director of Seven Directions, and she and her organization are primarily fighting the 
MVP Southgate extension, which I mentioned would go about 75 miles into North Carolina, but definitely has addressed a lot of the harms that the MVP construction has caused to Indigenous sites and to Indigenous communities and fights um, to stop the main line as well. And then, you know, just if you haven't had a chance to call your legislators or your senators yet and thank them if they were on the right side of this fight or maybe give them some information about why we can't afford any deregulation and we need to hear more from communities as opposed to less. We need to let communities determine, you know, what's best for them. And so, you know, forming a relationship with your legislator or your senator and being a bug in their ear is really powerful. We just saw how powerful that is. If you can set up an in-person meeting with your lawmakers, that's even more powerful and sort of demonstrate to them that their constituents care about these issues and that this type of project and this type of shady deal are not okay and cannot happen and will not happen since they're under public scrutiny like this was. So that's really what we would ask people to do and, and really appreciate you asking that question. Yeah, definitely. And my last question is, how can people contact or connect with you if they have questions or like to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I welcome people to reach out. So you can reach out to me at grace at power.org. You're welcome to email me or you can contact us through our website at power.org and um, sign up for our newsletter. And you can also reply to our newsletters when we send those out. So yeah, I look forward to it and welcome folks to reach out. Thank you so much to Grace for speaking with me. Anything we talk about in the episode will be linked below. Thanks for listening and have a good week.